Today's episode is brought to you by Delaware Orthopedic Specialists. DOS is the only fellowship-trained specialized surgery center here in the state of Delaware with providers that are specialists in each and every part of the body. Why would you go somewhere with a doctor that has general knowledge of the entire body when you can go somewhere that the doctor is focused on your exact area of injury? Wrist pain, wrist injury, wrist doctor. Knee pain, knee injury, knee doctor, so on and so forth. I have both direct family and friends that have trusted DOS with their injuries, so you know that you can trust them as well. Head on over to DellOrtho.com or give them a call at 302-655-9494 to schedule your appointment today. Tell them Talking215 sent you. You're not going to regret it. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Talking215. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of the Talking215 podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time of the day you are listening, welcome to this week's edition of Talking215. The offseason is here, but we still have plenty to talk about. And the folks talking about it, you know who they are. We got Coach Sean, Papa Sean, and the newcomer, Billy Pistols. What's going on, gentlemen? What's up, boys? It's not the offseason yet, man. We still got playoff games this weekend. Well, I know. It's the offseason for it's us, the offseason for us. Yes, for all the important teams. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, in Philadelphia, it's the offseason. In the NFL, obviously, I mean, we saw some, some very good games. We saw the importance of why the Eagles have the greatest kicker in the NFL currently and the importance of having a very good kicker and a lot of the issues that we've seen with people that are uh, holding on to subpar kickers because they were a, a higher draft pick, like Green Bay said. like The Green Bay's kicker in the last nine games of the regular season, or the last 11 games of the regular season, in nine of them he missed a field goal. But they, the the GM announced that, like, oh, well, he was a higher draft pick. Like, we want to see him develop and everything. Like, no, go get a better kicker then. And, like, it's, it's ridiculous. And then it comes down to where a missed kick costs them the potential to win a game, amongst some other errors. But we're here talking some Eagles, Flyers, and Sixers. We are talking 2-1-5, so we're going to be talking a little bit more than just Eagles tonight. But we got a lot of news this week about our birds in the offseason. I know Coach is really itching to talk about it. Obviously, for those that heard the news, Sean Desai fired, relieved of his duties. Matt Patricia not fired because he's no longer under contract, so he's just no longer a part of the organization and all reports are he is going to be seeking employment elsewhere. And then Brian Johnson today fired, let go of his duties. Coach, what are your initial thoughts about all that, about why it wasn't done the day after they were eliminated? And then obviously we're going to get into who we want to see in that position when it is filled. Yeah, man, I know we've been talking on this show, you know, for weeks about like putting the blame on the coaching staff, Sirianni, Brian Johnson, you know, Matt Patricia, you name it. We've been talking about that. I'm so ready to turn some, if not a majority of this blame over to Jeff Lurie because the day after the playoff loss, you're on your yacht somewhere in the Bahamas and locker room clear out day, you're nowhere to be found. So the players can't, you can't sit on those exit interviews. The coaches, you can't sit on those. You're leaving your entire team. And think about it. You got guys like Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, maybe, where you don't know what their futures are. You don't know if they're just going to say, hey, this ended so badly. I don't, I'm done. I don't want to come back. And you're nowhere to be found. You're somewhere on your yacht. We don't know if the coaches are coming back. They're staying. They're going. Sirianni's future. Jeff Lurie, where are your priorities at? 
You can go on your yacht any time that you want. The day after the playoff loss. So us fans, especially here on Talking 215, are thinking, are they staying? Are they going? They made the announcements now that the D.C. and the O.C. are relieved. But guess what? We missed out on interviewing all these guys that we could have potentially interviewed at this point. We missed out on two weeks of talking to people, interviewing people, bringing them in the building face to face, um, you know, FaceTime, all that stuff, just because you didn't know what you want to do. And now you're bringing back Nick and firing everybody else. So Jeff Lurie, you deserve a lot of this blame because I talk about this all the time. It's like the Jenga piece. You're the one holding it together. You're the damn owner. And this whole thing is wobbly and you're doing nothing to keep it stable. Like you're just trying to glue the parts in around instead of getting a whole new puzzle. It's so bad. This is the shit we make fun of like the Cowboys and other bads when the Browns were bad for the longest time. Like you don't know management. Oh, we have such a good culture, such a good coaching staff. We have great depth and leadership. What the hell are you doing, Jeff? So you got to bring in a great OC and a great DC for me to even jump back on board and believing in this bullshit. But here's here's my biggest concern about bringing in a great OC and a great DC. When you have a head coach that doesn't call plays, you're going to see like every single team now that Callahan was hired, every single team is going to have a new offensive coordinator within the past 24 months. When you have a coach that doesn't call plays and you get in a great offensive coordinator, he's gone after one year. He's poached. He knows he's not going to be promoted up to that head coaching job, and other teams know that he is the one primarily responsible for an offensive success. And so they're just going to be taken right away. I think Chris Long said it best. Nick Sirianni has a terminal diagnosis, and that's not calling plays. You, you are put on a clock when you turn your offense over because, one, you're not calling plays. Like, how, like being a locker room guy and having your players, like, have your back and all that's that's great and all and you want your players to want to play for a coach but it's like it's how much is that really worth when teams start having failures it's like what good are you what we had a caller when we were live over at billy pistol's basement saloon shout yep. out we had a caller call in and say hey what is it that nick sirani actually really brings what is his thing like a lot of coaches have their different things that they you know andy reed's known to to really excel with developing quarterbacks and having a strong offense kyle shanahan obviously we've talked about it a million times having a great scheme and just making their offense super team friendly you got a bunch of different guys and they're like what is nick sirani's thing he's allegedly an offensive coach that doesn't do play calling that doesn't have a, a scheme that really worked out at all this year what like what and that's kind of what it comes down to like when they start having failures if they have anything similar to this year whatsoever he's got to be gone and if they do have success how can that be super repeatable when most likely you would have to assume the offensive coordinator is going to get hired away when well, my stance on all of this is the snake rots from the head down you have very successful head coaches general managers owners who frequently bring up strength coaches, quarterback coaches that get elevated to offensive, defensive coordinator, to all these things, and they have long-term success. Do we think Sirianni and Roseman and Lurie are going to continue to elevate the people that we hire to these exceptional positions, no. or is this just kind of a mid-step? We don't want to make a big change. We want to see what's serviceable, and then he's fired next year 
Well, I, I got to say, uh, to to your point, Coach, I don't really care what Jeffrey Lurie did immediately after the season because these decisions have been set in stone for the last couple months, right? The, the, the decision to move on from Sean Desai has been set in place pretty much since he was replaced in week 11 or 12. You've got an offensive coordinator in Brian Johnson who's who's fighting with Nick Sirianni. He's also fighting with Jalen Hurts, right? The, the, there's news that the play calls were constantly uh, being freestyled by Jalen as the season went on. These are conversations that him and Howie Roseman have had for a while now, talking about how to go about you know uh, replacing both of these coordinators moving into the offseason. Now, the issue with keeping Sirianni is, first, much to your point, Jake, there isn't one particular thing that he does very well. Uh, not that we've seen over the last couple of years. Now, your options are going to either be a, uh, a veteran uh, offensive coordinator that wants to prove that he can call those plays, much like Eric Bieniemy leaving Kansas City for Washington last year, which I don't know that there's any good candidates that are in that kind of uh, pool right now. Or you get some quarterbacks coach that's looking to make that jump to an offensive coordinator and has been largely unproven, right? So you've totally pigeonholed yourself into one of those two situations. You're not going to find any sort of experienced offensive mind keeping Nick Sirianni. There's not going to be any sort of experienced offensive mind that that is going to be willing to work under Nick Sirianni, under Jeff Lurie, under Howie Roseman, and operate in the thin, thin, thin uh, scheme in which they're being asked to operate. So I, I'm very interested to see what offensive coordinator they, they what in, all OCs they even interview. And I have very low hopes for whoever it is that they end up hiring. Well, let me, let me ask you this. If and this is a, a complete hypothetical because I don't know what has been told to Sirianni, what the whole plan is and everything. But let's say that they told him, hey, listen, you're the head coach. This is your team. Like you, The players love you and everything. But moving forward, we're going to be getting an offensive coordinator, and it is going to be his offense. You need to let them do his, his thing. You need to let them run his system. Would, if that is the case, wouldn't that actually be more appealing? To a guy that's not hired as a head coach saying like, hey, I can go to this team. And again, knowing that it most likely is a one year stop for them, knowing they most likely wouldn't stay. But if that's the case and they're interviewing say, and they tell him like, hey, if you're hired, like this will be your offense. It's not your play calls under Sirianni's scheme. You bring in and you control the offense and you let you have full say over it. Like essentially full say, you know what I'm saying? Like not free range, but you can run your offense. Wouldn't that actually make it more appealing? For any of these guys that don't get a head coaching job? I just don't know that Howie Roseman is actually going to sit down and tell somebody that, right? Yeah. What, what is the point of keeping that's, Nick Sirianni? If that's, if that's like, we've, we've, we've seen the short lease that these, these two have as far as keeping their head coaches, right? They yeah. don't tend to have a super long leash. So I, I just don't see that happening. I, there has to be Nick had to have convinced them that he does bring something to the table, oh, that he yeah. is the appropriate framework and that the appropriate developmental uh, systems in place to run a quality organization at the top, top level. So I, I, I don't think so. I, I, I really, there's going to be questions of, of how much Nick Sirianni has meddled uh, in your offense, as well as how much Howie Roseman's played into personnel decisions. 
you know, you're seeing with Brian Johnson, he got a, a handful of, of uh, head coach interviews, but nothing amounted to them. They ended up letting them go uh, either earlier this morning or late last night. So nothing yeah. really amounted to anything as, as much as, or as long as they wanted to hold on to him to in hopes that he, that they could get a compensatory pick out of him. Yeah. And yeah, look, uh, I'm kind of torn. On, I'm kind of torn on this. I think Sirianni is to blame because, you, you've read a lot of stuff about him meddling in the offense and, you know, what offensive coordinator wants to come in and take, you know, the reins when it's not going to be your entire playbook and menu. You know, you're going to have to cater to the head coach who constantly wants to change things. Then call plays, dude. Then call plays. If that's what you're going to do, if you're going to tinker, if you're going to dabble here, dabble there, then call the place. Like kind of like Jake was alluding to. Um, but there's like 1% of me, 1% of me that, that thinks, all right, look, when you make the Super Bowl and both of your coordinators get poached, you've missed out on three to four weeks of the hiring cycle where all the other teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs didn't make the playoffs are interviewing people. So you can't interview anybody or do anything at all. So at the end of the year, when everybody has hired all their people, now you are in the Super Bowl, the last game against the Chiefs, and all of a sudden you're without an offensive and a defense coordinator. There's not like a great crop of people to choose from so you're like oh uh we'll just promote this guy in-house because we know him and it's easy and he was here last year and then defense coordinator um any mini money mo which is pretty much what they damn well did yeah you know i mean who was it coming down to it, it was Desai or who like we yeah, don't we even were know talking, we we're talking almost it felt like days before the draft where we we're like hire somebody like Hi, you yeah, need exactly. to have your person in there so that you know, hey, we need to get this kind of defensive player because this is the defensive player that our defensive coordinator is going to want. Like, we were talking about this. It felt like it was leading right up to the draft. We're like, okay, when are they going to announce it? When are they going to do it? And yeah. also, like, to your point, and it, it wasn't even the day after the Super Bowl. Like, Steichen was hired pretty late. It was, like, a very long process. And obviously, they were going to keep him had yeah, he didn't. not gotten hired away. Well, didn't didn't he come to the organization and just say, hey, I have this offer. If you pay me head coaching money, I'll stay. They won't I, pay a, They won't pay a coordinator head coaching yeah, money. Yeah, I heard that report, that, but I don't, th like, I don't think there is much. They, they won't ever do that because you don't you're not going to also relinquish the ability to run your own team, to control yeah. your own, to do all that. Like that's a weird message to the, the head coach as well. Absolutely. It, you start undermining each other because it's like, Hey, do you know how much money I make? Like I can take your job in a heartbeat. You know, it's, it's very conflict of interest. So part of me is thinking, look, let Nick and Howie get a chance to hire these guys during a cycle. Let's see what they come up with. Right? Like, Jonathan Gannon and Steichen were, were, were great when we had the ability to choose them and, and, and bring in the own guys. Now, again, I'm not absolving Nick of anything. I think everybody should have gone, including him, cleaned house and done everything that way and started fresh, kind of like Sean was saying, you know. But you it's that's what gives me a little bit of like semblance of, okay, yeah. I can see it if this goes this way because we didn't have that chance to, to take our pick, you know. Include you wanted them clean house. Did how it was how he included in that? No, no, how he's not how he's not how he has like a long leash with me. He really, yeah. really does. Yeah, he uh, just because I mean, what he did with this defense this year is was a major mess up. I, I get that, I totally understand that. But if you're Howie Roseman and you say, Hey, 
James Bradbury was all pro last year. Yeah. Hey, Darius Slay was a pro bowler last year. Hey, Jordan Davis is finally healthy. Nicobe Dean is finally healthy. We drafted Jalen Carter. We led the league in sacks last year, and we still have Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick coming back. I mean, that's promising. And, yeah. and, you know, and you didn't expect um, Avante Maddox to get hurt. So going into this past year, if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm like, all pro, pro bowl, Avante Maddox. Those are my three corners. I got um, – the D line I just told you about, and oh yeah, we added um, Jalen Carter to it. So I'm feeling good. Did it work out the way it should have? No, but that's why Howie has a long leash with me because yeah. he did. He took the steps, you know. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not anywhere near getting rid of Howie either, Sean. I want your thoughts on it. Not just Howie. Well, everything that Coach was just saying. Well, just in regards to Howie, I do think that if you're going to give him the levity of finding his own offensive and defensive coordinators, uh, in reference to Nick Sirianni. You know, you have to also believe that there is that Super Bowl drain of you lost nine starters on this defense. So, you know, finding a replacement for each and every one of them isn't going to be successful in one year. Right. So, I, you know, I again, just to go back to previous episodes past, I, I was very much in favor of getting rid of Sirianni. And that way, much more qualified head coaches can come in and, you know, uh, come with coordinators that will also have opportunities or are looking to expand and become head coaches after a, a handful of seasons. You know, I, there's not going to be a perfect solution each and every year as a successful NFL team. Uh, but, I just think that keeping Sirianna really does hamstring your options moving forward, especially as far as uh, an offensive coordinator is concerned. Coach, you think that like people have been tweeting to us because we've been asking a lot of questions these past couple of weeks. We kind of kind of revamped our social media uh, face where we're really asking a lot of people like, hey, rather than giving our takes, what are your thoughts? And I've, we've had a lot of replies of people saying, you know, I would love Bobby Slowick as an offensive coordinator. One, he's probably a hot name for a head coach. So, like, first yeah. of all, he's most likely going to get hired as a head coach. In some weird reality where he doesn't get hired, because we've had names, or like, there was three years ago where the hot name was Eric Bieniemy, and he didn't get even sniff for a head coaching job. So it's like some weird stuff happens. In some weird reality where he doesn't get hired, is there any situation where he'd leave D'Amico Ryans and the Texans for a job in Philadelphia? So the Texans can block us, right? Because if it's yeah, a lateral if it's a lateral move, they could block us. The only way, let's just say they said, you can go if you want, but why would you want to do a lateral move? The only way I could see him doing that is if he thinks Sirianni is potentially a lame duck head coach, right? And that if he shows enough promise in his offense, revitalized with Jalen Hurts like he did with CJ Stroud, that we could get rid of Sirianni and he's on the fast track to being promoted to head coach, right? Because I'll be honest with you, D'Amico Ryan's, was drafted by the Houston Texans, was the heart and soul of the Houston Texans, has an amazing defense, and those players love him. He's not going anywhere. No, and he better be coach of the year, too. He yeah, did yeah exactly, it. exactly. So that is the only scenario, provided they don't block, that I could see him thinking, hmm, as far as my career advancement goes, this might be a faster track because it's a great here with Houston, I'm not going to get promoted up. This is as far as I go here in this city. No, that's a really great point. And again, we all assume he's going to get a job like this offseason. He's going to get hired. But that's a really, really good point to where if he doesn't, Philadelphia now actually, with what you just said, would probably be a team that I would have circled if I'm Bobby Slowick to be like, look, I didn't get this job. If I'm going to go somewhere where I feel as though will really help sell my case about getting a job, 
One, even if it's not in Philly, one, let me go somewhere where it is known this is my offense. Like they, yeah. I am the play caller, and they just had a, a down year. They go out showing, you know, going gangbusters and having a huge year. They kn- damn well know it's all because of Bobby Slowick. So and you know what, too? It doesn't hurt for Howie to ask. If you know that they could oh, just yeah. shut you down and say no, it does. Let that report come out then. Let that report come out and say the Eagles requested an interview with Bobby Slow for the office coordinator, but the Houston Texans reject him. Fine. Let that yeah. come out. You know what? Plus that's like, costs, that's like your buddy. It a fifth-round pick to ask. No. It costs yeah. nothing. You ever have your buddy that like is, is ass ugly, and he's going to hit on the hottest girl that you've ever seen in your life, and he's like, oh, what's the worst could happen? She could say no? Oh, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm going to go do it anyway. Like, fine. If you know that it's possibly a no going in, what's, you already know, you know the worst that could happen. Go for it. Try it. Look, you never we, know. If we can keep my personal life out of the podcast, I'd be <laughs> no, it, it's also not an unappealing job. Philadelphia has a lot of offensive weapons. Sure, oh, yeah. sure, we have some stuff to figure out. But... No, I mean this offensive line, a, 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 a large amount of draft picks, where you would assume if if Swift's not retained, you're going to be getting a new running back. You got Devontae Smith, AJ Brown. You're not handed a bad situation here. No, you're you're, you're not handed uh, you know Baker, the Baker in his first ball. year. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, getting, you're, getting, you're getting a good opportunity here. And if they can turn something out of it, as you were saying, the jumping pad there is a different head coaching or Sirianni's job. I got yeah. breaking news, boys. Uh oh. Since we're talking about offense coordinator stuff, right? The Eagles today interviewed USC offensive analyst Cliff Kingsbury. For their offensive coordinator job today, former Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Interesting. Sean, your initial thoughts. Uh, I like it. I mean, it's a guy that that went back down to USC, uh, had a a fantastic offense. Um, I, you know, he didn't have a, a great run over in Arizona, but neither does anybody else. So give him a little bit less uh responsibility. Right. Just let him run an offense. Uh, it's a guy that does have head coaching experience. Right. Um, you know, just out of all the candidates that I can think of, he would have to be at the top of my list. Which is Sean, which is a more football name, Cliff Kingsbury or Jim Bob Cooter? Oh, come on, Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, that's that is top. That's right next to Kool-Aid McKinstry, dude. That's like one A, one B. You know how many T-shirts would be sold on the side of the road with some type of wordplay with that? Like with with the Jim Bob Cooter stuff, like a million at least. Oh, of course. <laughs> Coach, what are your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury? Look, he's he comes from that college mo- mode. I'm going to say a name that you guys are all going to hate, but like Chip that Chip Kelly, Kelly type oh. mode. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's Chip Kelly. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But one of the guys, he's he's Lincoln Riley light if that makes sense. Um, Lincoln Riley is somebody we talked about for Diet, the longest time. Diet who's, Riley. Coached, <laughs> who's coached uh, Jalen Hurts back in the day, you know, who's have innovated, fast-paced offenses, everything like that. Cliff, Cur- Cliff Kingsbury comes from that as well. I mean, he was a damn good quarterback himself in college and played in, in wide-open air raid offense. So this is a guy who attacks, who use, uses motion, who isn't afraid to be innovative and different. Sometimes I think we get lost in the fact that some people are better coordinators than they are head coaches. Yep. You may not be able to be a leader of men, but damn if you can't scheme up and cook a good offense. I think people need to separate those two. So when you see someone wasn't a good head coach, that doesn't mean he can't cook up a good offense. 
Well, Coach, that brings up a good point. I want to ask your thoughts and why you think this way to where you had said you want nobody with any previous connections to the Eagles. Frank Reich, it, it fits that kind of mold of he was a damn good offensive coordinator or we believe that he was a damn good offensive coordinator and wasn't that great of a head coach. Again, he was in two awful, awful scenarios with the Colts with nothing and then with the what, the second or a bottom three owner in the Panthers. With again nothing, but if that he falls into that, he has previous ties of the Eagles. Is that a guy that you put in that category where he's untouchable in your mind? And you want nothing to do with him? I think Frank Reich is burnt out, burnt out, man. Yeah, I really, I really, really between dealing with You've Jim Mercy, and he's Indy. actually not even interested in coming back to the NFL. Yeah, we haven't even talked to him either. Like I, I, yeah. between Jim Mersey, who's a crazy ass owner in Indy, when he got fired, and then they replaced him with Jeff Saturday, who was an ESPN, you know, co-anchor, had no coaching experience, and then going down to Carolina and that debacle, trading their whole, you know, future away for Bryce Young, and then having to deal with um Dave Gettle or wow, can't think of the, the owner's name, but he's terrible. The Carolina Panthers owner, David yeah. Tepper. Tepper, David Tepper, dealing with that. He's burnt out. And then also, we just talked about Sirianni meddling in the offense. If he gets one of his good friends, mentors, buddies back here, yeah. he's going to meddle, meddle, meddle pick. I want him. So, I want somebody that good. doesn't have any ties to Sirianni to where Sirianni can't meddle because he doesn't know what the hell the scheme and offense is. Coach, I'm sorry. You don't get extra points for all these uh, wonderful uh, points you're making and, and talking points. That's three points in one sentence. Try to do that. Sean, Frank Reich. No, I, I, I do fully agree that he has been no. burnt out. <laughs> I I really think Frank Reich just needs to retire, spend some time with his wife and kids, you know, go fishing. He's been through a yeah. lot. And it is it's it is really hard to, to tell if he has kind of lost a step in terms of his ability to run an offense and formulate a game plan, uh, or if it is just uh, terrible rosters and too much meddling. Uh, but I got to say, he probably doesn't want to come back to Philadelphia, yeah. right? There would have to be so much smoke in there, right? Uh, it's between it being Sirianni's guy and, and uh, you know, we know how, how Doug Peterson has uh, his stint ended and he wanted to continue to keep his guys in place. I, I, I think if there was any chance that Reich even wanted to come back, I think Howie Roseman kind of put nipped that in the bud immediately. That had to have been one of his stipulations. Yeah. No coordinators, no previous coordinators. Yeah. None you of your know, friends. He's, yeah. he's probably saying no the more. same thing that coach is saying. Like, we're not no dealing more. with any of your old buddies here, man. Yeah. We need some, some new blood in here. No moss. Uh, Billy Pistols, Cliff Kingsbury, Frank Reich. So, uh, Kingsbury, I'm going to take the opposite track than the other two. We know how Matt Patricia did with Patriots, went off to the Lions, did horribly, came to us, was elevated this season, and then the last seven games did worse than decided. I personally don't want a former head coach to be a coordinator for us. If you weren't cut out to be a head coach, you're not cut out to be a coordinator. And I'm drawing that line. I know it's less meat on the bone there, but they fail for a reason. And I don't yeah. think that Kingsbury is just waiting around for our interview this offseason to shine again. Uh, the right thing, I agree with the boys. Uh, he's He's kind of done. He's moved past it. 
it's going to take a lot to get him back. And do we really want him back at this point when his heart's really not in it? I say probably not. Um, you know, there's there's other candidates out there, and uh, the Doug Peterson connection that Sean made was fantastic. We're not going to get somebody back in here who Sirianni is going to uh, maybe or maybe not get along with. Yeah. It is funny how I notice your phone whenever you say Sirianni, Siri pops up. Hey. That's like the third <laughs> time I've seen your phone pop up with that. Yeah, no, I mean, texting my wife that I hate her and I want a divorce, I guess. Who knows? Oh, jeez. Uh, no, you, uh, I mean, you bring up a good point with Frank Reich and all, but I, I, I fully stand in that some people are just made to be offense coordinators. I don't, I would not be, you know, skeptical to hire a former head coach that failed as a head coach that has proven that he can scheme up a good offense because it's a completely different gig. Uh, so that wouldn't necessarily take somebody off my plate. And I'm not super, super high on Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not super low on him. I, I'm pretty indifferent. And anyway. Going on to the defensive side of the ball, are any names or anything like obviously reports are they're going to be interviewing Riverboat Ron Rivera for a potential uh, defense corner, which falls right into that failed as a head coach, uh, at least in Washington he did, but he's a defensive-minded guy. Gentlemen, what are our thoughts on Riverboat Ron? So I initially was very much against it, you know, to the exact same point of a, a Frank Reich thinking this guy is just so tired of football. He's got to be. He's been through the ringer, it feels like, um, especially with his stint with the commanders. But the more I think about it, the more I think that keeping Sirianni on board, he's going to want that that veteran experience having over a decade worth of experience or just exactly a decade worth of experience as a head coach. I think he would be a good voice in the locker room. And, you know, you talk about not being great as a head coach. And I don't think there was any one particular season where he really wowed us. Right. Uh, he had Cam Newton, the majority of his career that, that uh, he kind of lived and died by. Uh, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, his his last stint as a defensive coordinator came with the Chargers back in, what was it, 2012, 2010. Um, it's gone back a little ways, but that was a very good Chargers defense. Um, it's it's tough to say if if the, the NFL has kind of passed them by because it did seem like with a lot of talent on that commander's defense that I feel like it did consistently underwhelm, but he seemed tired. I, I do think that he would give a little, a lot more energy just as a defensive coordinator. You can talk me into Riverboat Ron as a DC of of this Eagles team next season, Coach. Look, I said on Twitter, no, no, and more no, right to, to Ron <laughs> Rivera. I really did, and then I'm starting to kind of, I don't want to say come around to it, but I guess understand it a little bit. Um, the intra division, you know revenge factor plays plays a little bit of a part he knows dallas he knows the giants you know he knows washington he knows these teams almost better than anybody right because he's been coaching in this division the longest so the familiarity within the division is there and then this is part of my thinking too is look ron rivera defensive player he had a great defense in chicago he had a pretty good defense in washington for some of those years they always drafted defensive players that's what they did um, he was good with Carolina. His defenses were good over there. Like Sean, I think, you know, it may have passed him by, you know, go spend time with your grandkids, sit on the porch, drink some tea type of stuff. But then also part of me is like, we talked about Sirianni and maybe somebody else not wanting to meddle. Ron Rivera is not a guy who would let anybody, you know, touch, tinker, do anything. 
he's a guy that that defense is his, 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 and his alone. And Billy, I know you were talking about like former head coaches that failed and you don't want them as coordinators. An example I could bring up that I'm hoping Rivera might be like is look at Dan Quinn in Dallas. Dan Quinn failed as a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, didn't do well at all, and went to be the defense coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys and has had them in the top five of defense every year he's been there. So I'm thinking maybe something like that, a little less on your plate. I don't need to control all 53 of these guys and all of my coaches and everything. I need to focus on these 11 dudes on defense and defense only, and I could cook this up. Former Eagles staffer, he knows the team. I'm coming around to it. Am I 100% on it? No, but I'm not as 100% against it as I initially was. Well, Coach, who would you rather have, Riverboat Ron or Wink Martindale? Again, another guy within the division. Um, I know. It's not easy. I, I, I hope people know that if we if we hire Wink Martindale, you're going to see like a 75% blitz rate, which is cool. Which is cool, right? Putting pressure on the quarterback is cool. <laughs> which is cool. It's totally fine, it's man. Cool. It's, it's totally fine. But here's the problem. If the blitz doesn't get home, you have a James have Bradbury James on Bradbury an island. 39 <laughs> you, you have you have guys like that, Reed Blankenship guarding hey, George Kittle. Don't go yeah, messing with I the like milk, Reed. Man. You know, I like Reed. Um, or you know, stuff like that, you know. So that's Sean's guy. I, I don't, I, Jake. I honestly, I'm, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Sean, you're big I, Reed guy, right? Reed led the team and missed tackles. Blankenship. Hey, uh, the first <laughs> half of the year, he was great. I like reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he hit a wall. No, I, I don't yeah. think you you bring Wink into this team at all. There's going to be a large contingent of the fan base. That, that still remembers the Buddy Ryan era and just how good that defense was and how, how often this team blitzed and got after the quarterback. Um, but they they certainly gloss over the record of those teams uh, when, when he was running them. Uh, those teams were bad. So, I, no, I think in this today's day and age, I mean, you just saw, you saw the results with the Giants, right? They were incredibly underwhelming and a, a piss-poor team. Uh, just because they beat the Eagles at the end of the season doesn't mean a damn thing because this team is dead in the water. Um, no, I, I think I think Riverboat Ron would be a much better choice. Um, give him less responsibility. Don't give him the weight of the entire organization under a terrible owner. Right? Um, I think he would be uh, better than than our knee jerk reaction would would lend himself to being. Yeah. No, that's fair. Any other thoughts on OCDC Eagles before we get into the Flyers? I got one quick one. Uh, piggybacking off of the Reich might be done. Riverboat Ron, he beat the Big C. That's a battle. He's played in the league for a long time. He's As, uh, as Coach said, he's got grandkids. How much do all three of you think he has left in him? Is he going to come back for a year, for two years? Does he have another six? You know, Is he trying to get back to head coach? Do we want him for one year to get poached again? Because this man's tired. Well, what I will say is that the one of the benefits of going with a guy like Ron Rivera is that, no, he's not going to be looking for another head coaching. Yeah, kid, I don't think he is right? either. I think this he is opened, his last, yeah. last he, op 
Yeah, he openly said he was. Uh, he's he doesn't even care if it's a head coaching gig anymore. That's the only reason why we're talking about him as the defensive coordinator. A lot of these up and coming guys. I mean, we just talked about it earlier in the show. Are one and done if they do well. And if they don't do well, then we fire them. So in any event, it's one and done. This is one of the few opportunities or few candidates where I can say, hey, if he performs well enough, this is a guy that's going to be with us for the next three, four, five years. Yeah. Or now I'll say this. If, if, if Ron Rivera is being talked about for head coaching jobs after, let's say, that we hire him, that means that this defense, damn good defense. Yeah, <laughs> good, this defense turned the fuck around in his top three in the NFL, okay? So <laughs> I'm cool with living on the edge with that, with – with having a badass defense and and guys, I'll throw something out here real quick before we go to Flyers talk. Couple names I want our listeners to think about, and this is just me. This isn't talking two one five. Clint Kubiak is the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Literally in the Shanahan tree, figuratively, literally everything. Clint Kubiak, uh, son of Gary Kubiak, who won a Super Bowl as a head coach, and then the other one is Zach Robinson. Same title. Quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, McVay tree, right there. Those are two young coordinators that would bring an entirely perfect style to this Eagles offense with motion, with play action under center, getting Smitty involved in the slot, moving AJ around, all sorts of stuff like that. And then the last thing I'll throw out, last thing I'll throw out before we go to Flyers talk, head coaches are getting hired left and right right now. There's a yeah. lot less jobs out there. I would have called you a moron for suggesting this a week or two weeks ago because I said, what are you talking about? But if Mike Vrabel does not get hired mm. as the head coach, he's still out there. That's all I'm saying. And he'd be for your defensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator. Me, I would me, sign me, that in a about This is the minute that yeah, it happens. Vrabel was, is top of my list for a head coach if Sirianni had gotten fired. If would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, somehow he doesn't. Man, we can, we can still make a pass, season. you know. And Jake, would, think about it. That that whole that whole um we were talking about the Texans OC. Why would he come here? Yep. Maybe Vrabel would think the same thing. Like, hey, I turn around this defense and Sirianni's kind of on the fence. I'm next in line. You never know. No, exactly. Uh Flyers are currently losing. They are losers of two in a row, but obviously are in the midst of a, uh, of a real season that is shocking a lot of people. Didn't see uh, any of this real success coming. Is the Flyers that we're seeing now losers of, of two straight? They're, they're battling right now with Tampa Bay. It's, they're, they're down one with six minutes to go. Is this a little bit more accurate of a team that, that we really are, or is this just a small skid of a team that really is a, a top three metropolitan team? Uh, the, the answer to that's complicated. Uh, Com complicated. Yes. Uh, so we were projected to be bad. Yep. And it turns out we have a lot of young talent. We have a very hard-nosed head coach. Yeah, I mean, before Torts, these two losses, we were on pace for over 100 points. Torts does not lose. He is going to maximize talent. He is uh, what Nick Saban is to Alabama. He's going to wring every drop of ability out of these players, young or old. Yeah. What Coming into the season, we were projected low. And this isn't baseball where we go back-to-back -back series, multiple stretches, you know, road travel stuff. We're just in a bit of a slump. 
I mean, goalies take different shifts playing. Yeah. You have lines that's being been shifted thing. around. You can see the offense continually produce. <coughs> you just in this stretch, we've just seen a couple of bad games yeah. from our goaltenders, and and the offense seems to get them back into it. It does. Like I mean, three goals tonight right now, and they still have still have hope. Well, and uh, it's, it's the big thing with hockey. Defense gets a little nicked up. You're giving up two on ones. I yeah. mean, saving two out of three two-on-one plays is a good night. You're giving up one goal on that still. No, exactly. And we're losing by one goal right now. So uh, you have chippy penalties, and they get the power play. But this Flyers team is massively outperforming all expectations. Coming into the season, we were projected a 6.4% chance to make the playoffs. We are currently sitting at, folks, 78-plus percent chance. I know. I know. Early, last week it was sixty nine. It's nice. it's been climbing sixty nine percent. Hey, <laughs> well, I know that was uh, as of like just a just a few days ago. So if it's up to seventy eight after these losses, you know that's that's great news. Uh, but no, you're seeing guys finally become the players that we had hoped when we drafted them. I mean, for years it seemed like the first fifteen games of a season, Travis Konechny would would go off and go nuts. And it would be a goal scoring machine, would be buzzing across the ice. And then after game 15, 20, would really cool off the rest of the year and would be like a, a 50 point guy. His plus minus would be kind of crappy because he's really just an offensive guy. Uh, but you're seeing him. He's an all star this year, deservedly so. He's on pace for about 95 or uh, 85 points. He's just barely over a point per game pace. You're, you're seeing him light the lamp like crazy. He's got something like 24 goals on the year. And then I get another name, Morgan Frost, a guy with a lot of hope, a lot of yeah. potential coming in. A lot of room would, to grow there. And would just show just a little bit of something here and there, but never really put it all together. And still has room to grow and develop, but you're seeing him. He's got two points tonight. You're seeing him really start to develop and become an, into his own player. And then you're seeing the kind of identity that this team is trying to take once Keith Jones and Danny Briere took over where they're really trying to just get a whole bunch of youth in there with a ton of potential, and they're really focusing on defense. And one of the big trades that they made was Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. And he got his first goal as a flyer tonight, uh, and, and that's great. And Jamie Drysdale, hot talking 2-1-5 take. I believe Jamie Drysdale is just going to be a better Shane Gostas bear. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. He is a very solid defender. An offensive he's, defenseman. He's an anchor back there. He's a he, little bit better defensively than Ghost. Yeah. And he's not a he's not gonna be any kind of Provorov defenseman out there. He, here's a fun stat for minutes. you, Jake. How many games did we win after that trade before a loss? Five? Six. Six. Six and oh after letting go Tiago pick where he wanted to go. I don't I don't I don't think we let him pick. Well, he didn't have no no trade. Cutter Gauthier. He, he I let hope, him pick not Philadelphia. I hope this guy doesn't play a single game in the NHL. I'm not saying I hope he gets injured, but I hope Cutter Gauthier does not play a single game in the NHL. Cutter Gauthier is nothing but a bitch. No, that's it, so. All these reports came out. He tried to keep it private. He tried to say, "Well, it was a family decision and all of this." No, he didn't want to play for a hard nosed coach and a tight belt. GM. He didn't want to try to make that roster spot and fit into the team. He so never he said went, specifically, right? Like he didn't like he was very vague about it, right? He was yeah. he was very vague. But, he said it was family decisions and then there were leaked reports mean? about uh the culture of Philadelphia. Yeah. And did you coach, did you listen to the um 
it's gone viral locally. The Scott Hartnell interview on Spitting Chicklets, the Barstool NHL podcast. He was interviewed this past week, I believe, or at least the clip was really went viral this past week. Did you get a chance to hear any of that? If not, I, I don't. Give you the clip. I don't think I did. I don't. But I love Scotty. I mean, I don't. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, about. other than his haircut, Hartnell's the man. Hartnell down. Hashtag Hartnell What's wrong? Down. What's wrong with Hartnell's haircut? It's like it's make up your mind. Either have a mohawk or have a mullet. But he's got a mo mullet, and I just don't understand. I'm about it, man. Don't you talk shit on hearts. Again, it's just his hair. Um, But he was talking on the Spit and Chicklets podcast about this situation, and the Flyers made a lot of efforts to talk to this guy and figure out what's going on, and they were very, very straightforward with him. Danny Briere was the interim GM, and he was recently – It was he spoke with him very shortly after he was given the official GM title, and he said, hey, man, you know, I've just been – stripped of my interim tag i really wasn't able to do anything as interim gm like they're just trying to figure out hey are you gonna get the job or whatever so like i wasn't able to really make a whole lot of moves and like you're gonna have to earn your spot on this team Mm -hmm. i understand you want to be signed right now you want to be brought up right away but you're not just going to automatically be the starting left winger on the first line of the Philadelphia Flyers. You're going to have to go. You're going to have to earn your spot. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to have to go down to Lehigh Valley and progress there. We think it'd be best for you to just do one more year of college, and then we'll bring you up with all the plans of you earning a spot on the team. And Scott Hartnell said that Cutter just hated that answer. And he's like, look, this is a kid that has had the red carpet rolled out for him since Peewee's. Every team he's ever been on, he's the first line, mm-hmm. left wing star of the team, juniors, every single thing. And he's just feels as though he's silver spoon up his ass. He he deserves that starting job rather than he needs to earn it. And he got rubbed the wrong way. And he went as far to say that the Flyers tried to send John LeClaire, American <laughs> hockey legend, to go uh-huh. talk to Cutter. And Cutter said, Cutter refused mm-hmm. to even talk to John LeClaire. What kind of pompous piece of shit do you think you are if you're refusing to talk to one of the greatest American, uh, United States of American hockey player? United States of American. <laughs> yes, United States of American hockey player ever. But no, you don't want to talk to him because you know he's going to be like, hey, man, like, you know what he's going to say. He's going to be like, hey, stop being a little piece of shit. Look, I play I'll, hockey. You'll you'll get your spot, and you will want to be in Philadelphia. I will I will throw uh, Cutter a little bone here and no, say, screw him. That conversation took place when he was not even seventeen years old. It's a kid. I mean, think back he, to when we were kids. We made dumb decisions. We did bad things. They tried but, to send John Leclaire more recently. When uh, he was yes, making these the decisions. the original conversation about the development league. You know, you're a kid. We want you to go to college. I think he had just turned 17, so he was going to go to college for another year. Um, I mean, it's, it's a young kid, uh, but the development program and like think about this. And I'm going to pivot here a little bit off of the uh, Gautier thing. Connor Bedard, who everyone's talking about, is lighting up the league. We have Mitchkov, who isn't even eligible to play for the rest of this season. And next season, these two were very comparable. The reason Bedard is the generational talent is because he doesn't have a leftover KHL contract like Mitchkov does. Yeah, and he is slightly better. He's yes, slightly better. But if we had someone like Mitchkov ready to go, or a Bedard, or something like that, they're walking into this locker room. Do you want to be the starting left wing? Okay, yes. Yeah, but do you know what Connor Bedard said? 
Yeah, he said he, after he was drafted, he yeah. said, I need to earn my spot on this team. Exactly. Wherever you slot me in, coach, I'm ready to grind. No, and this. he didn't even say he said, I need to earn my spot on this team. He yeah. said, I didn't make the team yet. I need to earn my spot on this team. And the Flyers had conversations with Mitchkov about coming over and about that same mentality. Yeah. He had the conversations with Briere and Tortorella. Uh, and he was about it. Yeah, he only wanted to come to Philly. He had he had interviewed terribly yeah. with almost every other team. He had fallen for a multitude of reasons, including uh, a lot of people said his personality was terrible. Again, he he wanted to go to Philly and Philly alone, which is great. You want a guy that wants to play for your city, obviously, is a little bit concerning with the issues that he has with other teams and everything, and then obviously the KHL. Yeah. And the the conversation with Briere and Gauthier, the one that I'm referring to, was a little bit more recent. Uh, he was e either 18 or 19, okay. but still very young. Yeah. But at 18 or 19, you're not going to be given a, a starting line spot oh, on yeah, any absolutely. line of the NHL. Like There's reasons that you don't see 18-year-olds playing the NHL. You need to earn that spot. He didn't do that, and now he's going to have to go earn it with a shit organization in anaheim yeah and so we don't enjoy that bud you know we we have players that want to be here i mean this is philadelphia think about bryce harper if you were to go like take a jackhammer and chisel off a piece of the sidewalk and bring it to life that's bryce harper he is philadelphia yeah this man is our city we want what a great comparison too you you were talking about being like the spoiled kid the 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 next you know best thing that's bryce harper compared to cutter but one has the work ethic of a guy that's bottom barrel and the other just thinks he's arrived. Bryce Harper plays like the last guy on the roster, but he's talented like the best. So Absolutely. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah, and that and that's what we're looking for. We, we're looking for people to come into this city, embody this city, be great, but be appreciative to play here. I mean, Trey Turner, we've talked about this before. How, yeah. how bad of a slump was he in? No, he earned so, his standing ovation because he owned it. And then he played like a man out of his goddamn mind after that because Philly's behind him. We support you. Cutter, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Enjoy Anaheim. Yeah, pay have that, fun. Pay that California tax and, and enjoy their third line. Yeah, because playing hockey in California. Yeah, because you're not getting it here. And, you know, Travis, welcome to the team. We love Jamie to have Jamie Drysdale. A Jamie, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and again, young guy, tons of potential, and we got a second round pick. And for the people saying, oh, you could have gotten more for him, they, they obviously don't understand how NHL draft and contracts work. Had he decided to go to an extra year of college, the one year more than, than what the Flyers had told him to, if he wanted to go back next year, he could then re be re-eligible for the NHL draft and the Flyers would get absolutely nothing for him. Yeah. So yeah, you hear about a prospect like Cutter Gote, you're expecting multiple firsts, a big name prospect, something like that. You got a good prospect who was injured for a, for a long stretch of his young career and now is healthy, who still could be a great prospect. You just don't really know because he was injured and you got a second round pick. Yeah. And Jamie Drysdale has been producing since he's come up here. He's a right-handed defenseman, which we desperately needed. We allow Travis Sandheim to go back to his natural position as lefty rather than right. And it's just paying dividends. And we're going to see if he can continue to develop and what we're going to get with that second-round pick. And again, we have no idea what Cutter's going to be. American hero? Sure. Great. Enjoy your junior For world juniors. Yeah, for world juniors. Congratulations. Yeah. You know who else lit up the, the map in, world, in the juniors? Scott Lawton. Like Scott Lawton. Love like him. him a lot. I, I love him. Is he a star? No. No, he's no. a he's a fine, fine NHLer. That like great. He's a second, third liner. Mm -hmm. Super. He's a 50-point guy. Cutter Gautier, I hope you're a zero-point guy. I hope you never play in the NHL. 
and you just get stuck in the AHL, getting the shit beat out of you by thirty-five year old men hanging on two-way contracts, exactly. hoping to make it back to the show. Exactly, yeah. you piece of shit. Sixers, Joel Embiid, historic night. Sean, I'm starting with you as uh, you were a little quiet during the old Flyers segment. What What about it, man? Are, are we watching a, a, this this Sixers team is just being criminally uh, underappreciated, it feels like, throughout the city, right? It seems like you have to beg people. You have to have your star center score 70 for this for the city to even uh, feel like they should be watching you. Yeah, like, I feel so like weird. I'm. Because, like, people seem like this is a basketball town just as much as it's anything else. I, you know, I, I think we're finding out that it actually isn't. But yeah. we have a, fa- a fantastic team. I mean, you've got uh, this brand-new coach is coming in here, and, and it just seems like this team is meshing so much better. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter. It seems like we've been so scorned from the Doc Rivers of the past. and Glenn. And the, the, uh, Glenn, excuse me, Mr. Glenn. Uh, that it seems like our, our time to pay attention to this team uh, post-process, it seems like it's it's kind of the window's closed. Does it feel like that to you guys? Yeah, I mean, I would have said, Go ahead. And I would have said, the yeah, until I saw this. I, I, I think it's like a parallel to the Eagles, right? You're seeing the difference in coaching between Rivers and Nick Nurse is just in a different uh, stratosphere. It really is. Doc Rivers' whole offense was predicated around superstars. So you have one to two, two to three superstars, and then you have the other guys just stand in a corner and wait for an open three once those guys get doubled. Well, here's the problem. You have guys like P.J. Tucker and and, and these other guys that aren't really good or natural three-point shooters, and also that allows a defense to double quicker and trap and do all those other things and get to boards, which we always used to get out rebounded when we were under Doc Rivers. And it was just an inefficient system that said, Harden beat your man, Joel beat your man. Now in Nick Nurse's system, you're seeing a lot more pick and rolls. You're seeing a lot more switch rotates. And when Joel gets doubled, he's getting doubled with his face to the basket so that he can see instead of his back to the basket, having to turn and make a transition skip pass to the corner to a PJ Tucker who's not going to make it anyway. So this motion offense, this screen and roll offense, this pick and pop offense that Nick Nurse is running is light and day and has got me thinking that the window's still open because everyone knows the role now. You don't have to worry about Harden getting his 40 shots up. You just have to worry about Embiid dominating and everybody else will fall into place. So I think it's really nice right now, knock on wood. No, so I think this team is playing. I, I think it's playing fantastic. We have the best chance of making it beyond the second round in years, right? I just think that the window for this city to care about it is closed. I think we've just been burned one too many times. I, I, I don't know if this team, this city knows that how just how drastically different this product is this yeah. year versus the last couple of years, right? We have a guy that just scored 70. Joel B <sighs> just put up 70 last night. And we have people that nobody talked about it until the game was complete. I maybe saw four or five tweets on my timeline, and I know I'm only using Twitter as as really my biggest gauge of interest here. But I saw four or five tweets leading just throughout the game talking about it. It wasn't until he dropped 70 that anybody seemed to give a shit. And did you see how many minutes he played dropping 70? 
It's 37 minutes. 37 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so, I can uh, do that math. My, my That's incredible. And I, Jake knows this very well. If you take the championship out of it, if you take late playoff games out of it, Philly is a very winning city. We win a lot in the regular <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, if you take the no, exactly. We debated this on the live show. Like we Philadelphia did. is we a did. losing city until they win championships. I don't like that's a Dallas mindset of being like, oh well, we oh, win whoa, a lot whoa, of whoa, regular whoa, whoa, season whoa, whoa. games. Don't we, don't you bring we, that hate in here. We're that's not, exactly what it is, and we're we can if that's where you're going with it, we can stop this conversation mm, right now. No, I'm tying it back in because that's what the 76ers feel like is. They do, they do pretty good in the regular season. Joel has these very good games. We have Maxi putting up 35 points on random nights. We have a good team. Do we make that playoff run? And I agree with Sean that it feels like we get in the playoffs. I mean, tickets right now, I just showed you that on the screen. Yeah. You get corner seats for 50 bucks. You can go lower level 100 for what what was it 400 yeah lower level you can get three three six cheapest ticket was three three two so yeah there are people that want to go see it but as the season goes on if you tell me we're going to make a deep playoff run i don't believe it so i'm tuning in to our win loss record but i'm also not running out and buying a joel mb jersey no and i get it but for the people that i've had done that i understand why you've done it the sixers kind of did that to you glenn rivers did that to you but i am just here to say this is a different team even if it's only a different team for the regular season because we haven't seen a postseason under nick nurse and under this team this is a different team and if if you are not watching it because of those things you are missing a very fun basketball team you're yeah. missing tyrese maxi who should be a, like Joel said, an all-star starter, yeah. a guy that's really coming into his own, who for some reason was not on the 40-man potential USA team roster. Tyrese Maxey is better than at least 10 of the people on that list. I'll tweet it out and tell you who I take above him. Yeah. But Tyrese Maxey should be on that list of potential players to play for Team USA. And it's kind of ridiculous that he's not. Uh, but you're looking at a team that, under this coach, you saw a game the other week where I didn't even know this many people could play at in one game. We had 15 76ers log minutes in one game. I didn't even know you could have 15 players on <laughs> one team in one game. That's uh, that's accurate. We had three full units play in a game this this past month. It's it's just you're seeing night and day difference. And I wanted to ask you guys, I know uh Perfect timing with Coach fixing his technical issues. Perfect timing. I wanted to talk to you guys. I was just talking with them about just the massive difference between uh, Glenn Rivers and Nick Nurse and where this team has gone with it as Coach is still dealing with a little technical difficulties. Sean, I want to ask you. Reports were today that Dr. Glenn Rivers is the leading option for the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching vacancy. How amazing would that be for a team that is ahead of us in the standings to hire such an inept coach? I mean, I love it. It just goes to show how badly the team is being ran in its current state, right? This team is is so incredibly talented. It's able to, to be currently second in the East. And there clearly was we're talking throughout the building about how bad this head coaching was, right? So to, to hear 
that that Doc Rivers is the best. Glenn. Uh, stop correcting me. Darn it, we're live. <laughs> I, <laughs> to hear that that Glenn Rivers is the best possible alternate alternative, it just lets me. It just gives me that much. Uh, he is the alternate alternative. Yeah. It just puts me that much more at ease for come playoff time. Like this is a team that's yeah. very is definitely going to be fighting for the in in the the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Like because if if it if this Bucks team is going to be read uh, ran by Glenn, I mean it's game over. Just yeah, pack your bag Giannis, now. Giannis, I don't believe is a player that's going to buy into the Glenn Rivers system. He's not. Listen, there's not even any time to practice. There's, there's no, there's no charisma coming from from Rivers himself. I mean, it's not going to take these vets a particularly long time to figure out this guy. Uh, the the game has certainly left him behind as well. Yeah. I don't even know if it was ever he was ever Look, with the game. We've said it probably twenty to fifty times when he was a coach in Philadelphia. Glenn Rivers is the Joe Girardi of basketball. He is a coach. That was his career was made by being gifted Hall of Fame teams. He was on one of, if not the greatest team. He was the head coach for one of the greatest NBA teams in history, and he got one championship out of them. But they were a very winning regular season team. They did win a title. They went to a number of championship uh, semifinal, conference championship games, and his career was made off of that Celtics team. And he is not a good coach. He is a coach that people think he's good because they remember, man, you remember how good that early 2000s Celtic team was? Oh, who was the head coach? Oh, that's, it was Glenn Rivers. What a great head coach. Remember how good Kawhi was on the Clippers for that stretch? Oh, it was under Glenn Rivers. No, he was made by the players he had, not by, he did not maximize them. Well, he yeah. held them back, much like Joe Girardi did with the Yankees to get one championship out of that. Or late like two like early 2000 2010 Yankees teams is pathetic. So so here's my question for both of you. And of course he had to beat the Phillies to get the one. <laughs> um this isn't football where you play once a week. You know, these bas- three times a week. These basketball games you're playing three times a week and you have travel 3. days. Five times a week. You have travel days, you have a mandatory rest day, you're resting your starters. Scheduled loss. How quickly can a head coach get acclimated and yeah. the team get acclimated mid-season. to him? You're not making a turnaround mid-season. Yeah. This is a long to like even if they hire him, it's not going to fix nah, all the that's problems. That's a really good point. You're talking about guys acquired at the trade deadline. Yeah. Talking about like, oh, how long is it going to take for this guy to really find his role with this team? I mean, we're look, talking about a head coach. I mean, look at football. Football, they take two weeks before somebody gets fully integrated and like you know christian mccaffrey trade they they rested him the first week i mean they traded yeah. him they rested him they gave him a playbook and they said all you're doing for the next seven to eight days is reading this don't worry about practice yeah. we're talking about a head coach and you have one day before you're expected to be in control of that team yeah now it's, it's what's happening here it's i mean it's a franchise that you'd think would be like I, when you told me that news when we were golfing today, I was like, "Why the hell would they fire their head coach? They're second in the East." Yeah. And then when I saw that Glenn Rivers is believed to be the runaway guy to be the head coach there, I was just like, "This is this is excellent, excellent news." So on top of all of the points that you and Sean just talked about, 
combined with the fact that it's going to take time to integrate, they're sinking. Yeah. That that is you are using a measuring cup to bail out a rowing boat. Yeah. Coach, your thoughts real quick on the Bucks firing their head coach and Glenn Rivers be, believed to be the guy that is going to be hired coming in the next 24 to 36 hours. I'm happy about it. Um, oh, we are talking about how we are ecstatic. <laughs> We're laughing about it. Yeah, like, this is the best news for the Sixers could get. Yeah, I don't know what else to 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 really say other than happy about it. I, I do feel bad for the Bucks head coach because what else do you want from exactly. me? Exactly. I'm, I'm like, thirty and thirteen. You know, He's um, half teams out of first place. That that's pretty terrible for whatever reason that is. But I mean, I just talked about the ISO ball and all that, and with Giannis, I couldn't think of a. Look, guys, I'm not just trying to shit on him. I couldn't think of a worse coach for that roster. Yes. With, da- with Damian Lillard and, and Giannis than Doc Rivers. It's it's going to end horribly, and as Sixers fans, we should be happy about that. Yeah, and I thought Bill brought up a great point where he was like, this is a coach coming in over halfway through a regular season, like, and they play three to four games a week. How like It's not going to be a quick transition to be like, hey, this is how we're going to play basketball under Doc Rivers. Like, for a couple of weeks, he's just going to be like, "Hey guys, go play basketball. We'll figure out how yeah. to run my." That's basketball. his coaching style. That's, what, that's his coaching who's style. Our best player, give him the ball and like make sure he scores. You know, this, you're not instilling a system quickly because it takes time to integrate. Go score. Stop the other team from scoring. We'll figure everything out along the yeah, way. Yeah, cool. How do I get home? Put keys in car and drive. No, hilarious. Love to see it, Sean. I just I just wonder just how bad Adrian Griffin was running this team to where they thought we need Second to get rid of him bad. halfway <laughs> through the season and bring in Doc Rivers. Like that's just I, I, I couldn't be happier. Not even like promote an assistant coach. Not no no, no. it is like the e- day the hour he interviews. was fired was hey, it is reported that they are finalizing the contract. And then this was his first year head coaching the team. I don't know why you would put a first year head coach in charge of these guys with such lofty aspirations. If you were going to end up firing him after going 30 and 13 through 43 games, I don't know what this franchise is thinking. Um, I'm just glad it's not our franchise. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm excited to see what this team really does under Nick nurse in the postseason. I'm excited about the bench pieces that we have, the depth we have and, and what we want to get out of everybody. Last question before we get final thoughts, gentlemen, Tobias Harris is on a contract year. Obviously he's not going to be signing a max deal wherever he goes. Would you re-sign him in Philadelphia for something under a max? You're, this is a guy that has just gotten nothing but ridicule, which, but I believe strictly due to his contract, which is of no fault of his own. You sign the contract. Like, you'd be yeah. an idiot not to, and you'd be an idiot not for your agent to be like, no, we want a max. It's an idiot. It's on Elton Brand for giving it to him. It's not his fault. And you've seen a couple of instances in Joel's absence, him step up in a major way, and even in games where Joel's in, but having an off night. Where he ready, he steadies the ship until Joel figures it out. He's been a big piece for this team. So I I think of this the same way I think of it in any other sport is, you know, money aside, is getting rid of him, is he your worst player at that position? And are you going to replace him with somebody better? 
right? Because if money is no factor and you're talking about how he's, you know, he'll, he'll sign for something cheaper. And of course he will. He he can't he isn't going to be worse than than the worst other pl player at his position at this team. So like yeah. you know, he's, well he's a great locker room guy. Um he's he's certainly not a fan favorite, but Is again, much, <sighs> we didn't pay Reese Hoskins. No. If if Reese Hoskins got paid 20 million, 25 million dollars a year. Yes, Reese Hoskins, but <laughs> um, it, no, I, I say you keep them, but of course it depends on what that contract is. How much of a discount are we talking here? Right. So it's really, it's impossible for me to say, but I'm not totally against him. You know, I, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, no Tobias under any circumstances. Look, so, Reese Hoskins uh, showed up in the postseason, right? So I think that I think Reese has the edge <laughs> there. Um, but I, I mean, look, Tobias looks great in Nick Nurse's system and his offense. It, it's crazy what a really good head coach can bring out the best potential in a player. Do not think you should resign him to anything that curtails you from, you know, hunting this summer for, you know, uh, great pieces to this thing. So I, I really do think that it's one of those things where Tobias, sure, we'd love to have you whenever you're ready. We'd love to have you, but I'm going to have these people over first. These people are coming over first. You can come join if you want, but just know they're already going to be over here. And that's, you know, maybe your, your Zach Levine's that's maybe your Paul George. That's maybe whoever is a free agent at that time. We'll have you if we could fit you in, but just know that you're not like at the top of the invite list. So I think it, it, it might be something like that. Yeah, coach beat me to it. I was going to say something similar. I'm holding on Harris. I'm way, I mean, basketball is way more fickle than any sport. Stars can request trades at any time. We need cap space. We need to see what the free agent market is looking like. And if I can get a different player in there and he agrees to come back and make a run at it, sure. But are we throwing less than max money the way that you framed it i mean i'm not giving him no he's not going to get anywhere close to max i don't think but if we're giving him you know 20 he's million making, what, 30 something 33 million a year right now yeah for and 20 for contract. 20 million no for 15 million no for 10 probably not oh you're doing it for i'd do it for 10 all day long all day long i'd do it for 15 but that but that depends on he's probably going to get 15 to 20 million a year it probably would, but we don't know who's asking for that trade, who's, whose contracts we have to absorb. And so kind of what Coach said, but also taking the defer status here is I'm not offering that him right now. No, I mean, you have the, you have the luxury if he's on your team until your season's over. So you've got plenty of time to figure out you know, what he is, what he does, and who he's going to be. Sure. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Sean. I can't wait for baseball season. <laughs> we switched our seats. We got some shade, baby. I can't wait. Bill. Final thoughts. Flyers are doing awesome. Uh, Phillies, I'm excited. I want to see some dingers, man. Uh, Sixers, as we talked about, not enough people follow. <laughs> And Eagles, we uh, let's give it two, three weeks, and then I will make a decision <laughs> if I'm burning jerseys or not. Uh, we're not a city that does that. Coach. I mean, Eagles, give us something to believe in, man. G give us two 
great hires. Give us two really good hires to get behind for whatever reason, whether it be a new, fresh offensive scheme you're bringing in with a bright young mind, or whether it just be a psycho, dip-chewing defensive coordinator that doesn't care about anything else but killing the quarterback. You know, give us something to believe in here. Give us, give us some ties. You know. Oh, coach, your mic went out. Wah, wah. Oh, he's making the best point of the oh, night. He was making such a good. He was, he was, he was vibing with it. Yeah, too. It was, it was. No, actually, that was far too long of a final thought. And yeah. you, <laughs> I, I, I thought you just hit the mute button on him. I should have. Uh, final, <laughs> final thought, kind of echoing what Coach said. Don't hire somebody with Sirianni ties. Hire somebody that is going to be making a difference and instilling their own scheme. Coach, do we have you? No, we don't. No. Good, good episode. Go Birds, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies. Let's go.